So, um, Dan, oh, let me just sort this stand out, actually. Dan gave me a, a message when I got back on the Thursday or Friday, I can't remember which, saying that he was going to have the op. So, which is great, because he was having to, thinking to wait a little bit longer. But the consequence of that is that you have me speaking and hosting today at lastminute.com notice. So, there we go. And Dan told me that he had promised that he was going to look at how God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. So, you know, that's a, a nice little last minute talk to get ready, isn't it? Really? So that's what we're going to do. He'd been looking at uh, the book of Acts. For those of you that are, are new into the church, we've been, we decided to follow a series where we were looking at the kind of foundation of the church, how the church set up and the kind of culture and the values that the early church had. So we've been working our way through Acts. Now, uh, it's always a bit dodgy when you've been away and someone tells you to hop in on a... Uh, we might need to pray for something in a minute. It could be a problem. We'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, it's always a bit dodgy when you're hopping on a sermon. Uh, it could be someone she fitting again, could be. Is it Sandra? Should we pray for Sandra? Let's pray for Sandra. Well, Father, you, you, you know Sandra, you have her in your hands. And uh, we pray, Father, you put your peace on her with the condition that she carries. Uh, guard her, keep her safe. And I uh, just want to thank you, Father, this this church here right now we've got some medical professionals too and we pray that you give them wisdom as well in Jesus name Amen do keep signs in your prayers you know and uh, yeah it's a, a big stress to live with that all the time so do pray for her when you go home from here as well that she knows some peace you know coming out of this so it's always a bit dodgy as I was saying when someone's been speaking and then you I've been away so we weren't I wasn't able to listen into the sermon that Dan's done so I'm hoping I'm not going to cross massively into uh, his territory I'm going to try not to do that but you know the backdrop to this is that uh, the the community of believers actually had an early division isn't it shocking that in a church there can be division early on in in its foundation and there was division so you had uh, the Jewish believers you know people who were discovering about Jesus who weren't Jewish but if you were an Orthodox Jew even an Orthodox Jew who had met Jesus Christ uh, you wouldn't actually hang out uh, with someone who wasn't Jewish. So even for people like Peter, the Apostle and others, they were keeping the Jewish laws and they wouldn't actually mix with people like us. Even people like me from Essex. We'd be a little bit cut apart. We wouldn't be the kind of people that you'd engage with because we weren't Jewish. Uh, and that's how the early church was uh, growing. Uh, it's really predominantly Jewish culture that is being dealt with. They would keep the laws but they are now following Jesus. He was a promised Messiah some Jews would believe that, some wouldn't but then there's us lot, we're referred to as the Gentiles we're people who are not from the Jewish tradition you wouldn't even go in their homes you wouldn't eat with them if you are Jewish you wouldn't hang out with them and then I believe that Dan uh, looked into the vision that Peter had, he said he fell into a trance and he had a vision and the vision opened up to him that actually Christianity 
uh, us, what we believe now is for everyone. It doesn't, wasn't just another Jewish sect. This is for everyone. And, and, and so the church started to change uh, on that basis, but not straight away. So what I'm going to do is pick up from chapter 11. We've got a bit of a chunk to read through, if I'm honest with you, but it's a good thing to do, read the Bible, I think. It's good to read the Bible, isn't it? So we're going to do that, uh, look at chapter 11, read through it up to chapter 12, and then what I'm going to do is try and explain uh, how God speaks to us today. Because there's some very key things in there, and we're also going to dip into the book of Corinthians and stuff like that. But as a backdrop to that, I think uh, what I want to say really is that... Um, I think we, we don't get to grips with just how much God desires for people to know him. <coughs> I, I, I think I need to put that out there first. I need to put these on because some of you are a little bit blurry at the back. There we go, that's better. God, God uh, you know, with such a passion, wants people to know him. And, and therefore, he gives us gifts and tools as well as his word, in order to do his mission. To let us, to help us, tell other people about him. Now, you will know that I've spent the majority of my last 20 years of my life either leading churches or doing full-on evangelism. And, and in some contexts, putting ourselves, Karen and I, and our kids, uh, without, they didn't have a choice about it, and our kids on the edge of things in order to see God come and break into people's lives. When we do that, it changes your theology because you start to see God move in the most extraordinary ways. And we have learned that if you are really passionate about seeing other people come to faith and God's mission, I mean, really, and desperate, to the point where you'll put yourselves into discomfort when all you can rely on is that God is there, that's all you've got, amazingly, you do see God move. And I would say that in Karen and I's journey, and I didn't discuss this bit before we came out, I would say in the times when we fall back into comfort, we stop seeing some of the extraordinary things that we've experienced because actually we don't need that anymore because we're not putting ourselves on the edge. When we make ourselves uncomfortable, then we see a measure of God's grace and power which, which blows our minds, actually. I just think I want to put that in the backdrop because when you start reading about the way the Holy Spirit speaks in the Bible, I think you have two choices. And, and you know we're going through a process of learning together, all of us, in this, me included. I think you've got a choice. Well, you've probably got three choices. You can say either that happened then and it doesn't happen now, that was for then. Or you can read it and say, yeah, that's amazing that God does that, but then put it in a little box that never gets accessed, because actually we'd rather have an intellectual kind of framework for our faith. Or you can say, wow, God is able to do some stuff, and we really need that because we need people to find out about Jesus Christ. Please, God, give me whatever I need in order for people to know about Jesus Christ. And I think, you know, I fall into the third category, but I have to say that passion ebbs and flows, you know. Life is a game of ups and downs. 
Um, but that doesn't mean to say that it affects what we believe as a fundamental, which is, I believe that God, by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, is active and moving today and can and does transform lives and that we are called to have a deep passion that all men, women and kids get to know Jesus Christ because he is, he is the game changer for now and for eternity. And when you believe that and you're prepared to be uncomfortable, then so we see God move. So let's look at this in Acts chapter 11. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles, people who weren't Jews, also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticised him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. In other words, how dare you go around Beach's house? You know, he's not, he's not like one of us. Why would you hang out with him? That's a, so they're angry that they're spending time with people not like them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheep being let down from heaven by its four corners and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not Lord, nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The Lord spoke from heaven a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and then it was pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at their house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me and we entered the man's house. He told us how he'd seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. Just, just stopping that there, just briefly, before we read on, in a very few brief sentences here, you've got a group of circumcised believers, Jews, absolutely hacked off to the back teeth that Peter has been spending time telling people about the new faith in Jesus Christ who weren't like him. And his explanation within a few sentences is, I was in a trance and I had a vision and, 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 then, and then someone saw an angel. Now it's a bit like me pitching up to a vision night and saying, uh, you know we've been doing this thing called Redeemer King and it's been meeting in Newbold. Well, actually we're going to do X, Y and Z. We're going to get a massive 20,000 foot square house. And we're going to change the name and we decided not to be in Ches Vegas anymore. Instead we're going to go to Dronfield. And you say, what's going on? I say, well I had a little vision. Then an angel appeared. And so that's what we're going to do. I think you'd be a little bit hacked off in me uh, as a justification, as a reasonably thoughtful strategy, wouldn't you? Just possibly? Oh, I would think so anyway. Oh, I'll put it to the test because none of you are responding to me. So let's have a little go at the next vision night. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. If you remember, that was when they all prayed in tongues. Then I remember what the Lord had said, John baptised with water, but you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave him the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections. And praise God, saying, so then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Oh, that's cool. You had a trance and a vision, and then you saw an angel. Brilliant. Let's change everything. Crack on. I love that. 
I wish our church meetings were like that, don't you? That would be really cool. So that's, that's the backdrop here. And then, so it goes on into the rest of uh, chapter 11, and various other things happen. Uh, Barnabas comes along. And, and then at the end uh, of verse 27, uh, just, I'll just hop into that a bit. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. Uh, this happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And they did this, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And interestingly enough, it says of Barnabas in verse 24, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. I don't know if you've ever thought about this when you read passages like that. Here is Barnabas. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. I wonder if you ever think, how do you know that? Do you ever, I always ask the question, how do, they, why is that in there? And you know, I've said that to you before, you just ask, why is that there? And how do they know that? How do you know when you bump into someone that they're full of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and faith? Don't you think that's an interesting question? I don't think it's just because they look all happy. Because if it was, you'd definitely think, I'm not full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Because I don't look very happy. But how do you know? Is it the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, is it that? Or is there some other marked quality of people who are full of the Holy Spirit and faith? I'm not going to answer that question. I just think it's an interesting one to ask ourselves. So for me, uh, this is absolutely phenomenal. You've got a whole strategy of the church changing on the basis of a vision and the appearance of an angel. The whole strategy. And what intrigues me more than anything else is that it seemed to me that the early believers were kind of in the zone, supernaturally. And they trusted Peter. So when Peter spoke and said, this is what happened, they listened, they took it on board, and then they rejoiced. And they prepared to change their hearts because they heard the Holy Spirit speak. I think that's really critical for a church that flows in grace. Because this is just a sub point, because I really want to get into some bullet points today of, of how God speaks, or how you know, we've discovered God speaks to the Bible. But I find that very intriguing. Because in our human nature, in any organisation, uh, it's very difficult when you're confronted with change. Oh, we just don't like it. The, the way the chairs are changed, or worship has changed, or the way we teach or you know I even went into a church once you remember being in Dagenham and I was preaching in the church and I was pre oh, the preacher me and Karen pitch up at this church and I sat on the front seat because I was going to preach and this, this person came along and went my seat I went what? I said I'm preaching went my seat I went okay I had to move seats and you could see when people were coming in everyone was sitting in the same seats every week it's like we don't like change, do we? By human nature, we're settlers. We like our routine. We like our familiarity. I won't ask how many of you are freaked out by coming in today and the chairs are different. But we, 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 we do like to feel settled. You know, what if even little things like if you came in and the coffee was on the other side, you'd be like, why is the coffee on the other side? What's that about? <coughs> By nature, human nature settles very quickly. But I think in the kingdom of God, there's a creative spark in us. I think we're designed to be 
entrepreneurial, creative, go with the flow, and crucially, go with grace. So instead of walking in and think, that's changed, don't like it, you walk in and say, that's changed, amazing, how cool, we're doing things differently. I think it's a church to imbibe that kind of spirit, generous, entrepreneurial, creative, go with the flow, they're the ones that grow, because I think that's very akin to the way that God moves. Things change. We must be prepared for a moment when our Holy Spirit speaks to us, and it could be for extraordinary ways, and we have to be prepared to change things. And instead of going away and having a consultation for six months, we go, wow, God is speaking. How amazing. Let's go with this. This is cool. God's doing stuff. It's a challenge, but it seems to me that this was in the heart of the people here. Most church conflict that I've dealt with through the years has been an inability to listen to what God's saying and choosing what I might describe as the governance of man over the governance of the Holy Spirit, if I'm honest. Um, I wasn't going to go into this, I haven't written any of this down, I just I think this is such an important point. Well, I left a church once that was growing through the roof. It was a, a most amazing experience. I mean, in the last year we had over 90 people saved and baptised, planting out congregations, it was great, and then the Lord called me on. And me and a mate who had been ministering together, we said to this church, it was a warning, we heard a warning, we said to the elders, do not choose the governance of man over the governance of the Spirit. Go with the unexpected, go what we believe God is saying. And, and there was a man who was poised to take over that church. And it was evident to me that he was a man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And was God's man for that time. But he wasn't the obvious choice. He was like a David. The armour was too big. He might have been too young. It was a bit different. Didn't sound like them. But he would have taken them stratospheric. And the church said, no. We said to them, don't choose the governance of man. Go with what the Holy Spirit is saying. They lost a third of their members in two years. So we have to be so careful not to grieve the Spirit. And it seems to me that what they're prepared to do is be a bit miffed, then listen, and then crack on. So how does God speak? Well, you've got this thing here about falling into a trance and having a vision, which is a tricky one for us because... I don't know about you, but I've, I don't think I've ever fallen into a trance. Uh, and I don't think I've ever had a startling vision. But obviously God can do that. He does speak, however, through dreams. So in Job 34 or in Joel 2, he speaks about that. And I think that can happen. Now, I need to add a little caveat here. I think uh, we, we all dream. Not all of us remember our dreams. Some of our dreams are because we had too much cheese and some of them are just because we've got a bit of a mad brain uh, when we're sleeping, but sometimes God speaks. It's all in the Bible, Joel 2.28, Job 33.14, various other places. God speaks through dreams. I'll give you an example. Some years ago, uh, we were going to hire a youth worker for our church. It was a big job, so four congregations. And, and we put out the advert and we were interviewing people and this bloke came along, I mean to be honest he could have been the angel Gabriel on paper he had it all, he'd set up youth ministries, worked in churches, had an international ministry published a book, had a very interesting testimony, like Arthur White style testimony, kids loved him, absolutely fantastic 
Uh, came along to a meeting, turned up in his suit. I remember feeling really scruffy because I was sitting there in my superhero t-shirt as normal. He turns up in a suit, a proper guy, brilliant interview, really good, interviewed really well, asked him some theological questions. He knew more than some of us, so we shut up really quickly. He was the real deal. He was a good, you know, seemed like a really presentable guy. And so we decided to take it to the next stage. And the next stage was he met the church council and he met some of the church members and youth pastors and he did relatively well in that too. Quite a pressure environment, but he did well. And then we were going to meet as elders the next day and decide whether to, you know, take it to the next stage. And um, that night I had a dream, which I can remember to this day, which is often a mark of God speaking, I think, utter clarity. And in this dream, this guy, who was like the angel Gabriel, he seemed like a much, he wasn't a big guy anyway, but he was a thinner, leaner guy. And he had a big gang of people behind him and we met in the street of the town where I was living. So I was just walking along and this guy in the dream comes up to me and threatened to kill me. And he had this big gang of people behind him. And it was vivid. Now, I'd like to say that, you know, I'd like, you know, because he, he had a knife. The, the, you know, that I was a bit heroic in a dream and everything, but I didn't. I was just like massively consumed by almost like an ungodly terror and did a runner in my dream. I started backed off and ran away. Then I woke up and my heart was thumping. So I sent an email to my senior pastor at the time, because I was the number two in the church. I sent an email and said, um, so I had this dream about this guy and he, he looked about 10 years younger and he had a knife and he was threatening to kill me. And... Um, no, I, I, think, I think the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us something. And they went, he's a very jolly guy, he went, ho, 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 don't be stupid. And I went, no, no, I'm serious, it was really scary. And he went, <laughs> no, 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 listen. So in the end, he preached the view at our church, as we were in the Baptist things. He came and he preached to everyone, we had a church tea, and all that kind of stuff. And to cut a very long story short, we were just about to make the offer of a job, and I was praying to God, and I was thinking, oh no, please God, this guy's not right. Something's not right. We convened the church council, it's a big church, had a big leadership team, to make a decision on whether to offer him a job. And about half the people in that room, their hearts had changed. Overnight. And they said, we're feeling there's something not quite right. We need to give it a bit more time. We need to pray about it, give it a bit more time. A week later, it came out that this guy had been convicted in Cyprus for forgery and fraud. He had done a hit and run and had hid the evidence in another part of the country and was appearing in Reading Crown Court for that. It was a serial fraudster and was also tried concurrently, which only found out later, for um, threats of violence against a couple of restaurant owners and had published a testimony uh, about uh, being a Kung Fu World Champion three times that was completely and utterly false in every single respect and had a global ministry off the back of it. Can you believe it? And we had no idea. We had no idea the whole thing was a lie. And even today he tries to run a ministry. He actually went to prison for a few years and came out and then tried to relaunch a ministry. And the Holy Spirit tried to warn me in a dream. Me, I wasn't even the leader of the church at that point. I became the leader later. So, you know, for me, I think, I read this and I say, okay, Peter had a chance and a vision. 
but God can speak like that. <coughs> now I think we just need to be a bit careful. If you have a dream tonight that I'm threatening you with a knife, it doesn't mean that, I, you know, that I'm, I'm a dodgy one. It probably means that you just, the story was a little bit over the top and you, it was a bit shocking. But it actually happened. I think we need to test it. So you'll notice that the first thing I did was go to my boss and say, I've had this dream, and then allow someone else to test it. That didn't work, so then I just prayed that other people would know. So if you feel that God's given you a dream about something, the best thing I can say to you is, okay, that's cool. Share it with someone. You know, if it's of God, it'll probably stir up in other ways too. But it doesn't mean to say that it doesn't happen. It does happen. But what we do know is it won't contravene the word of God. It won't, it won't tell you to do something that's not in scripture. Okay. It won't tell you to do something that's not in scripture, but it can happen. And I think we just need to be very, very open to the way that God speaks to us through that. Another thing that can happen is an interrupted thought. So if you go to Corinthians with me, let's see this coming out of the Bible. 1 Corinthians 12, if you've got your Bibles with you, verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them, uh, and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifest of the Spirit, manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. I'd imagine we'd be quite happy with that. A message of wisdom. Someone comes up to you and says, you know, I've noticed your speed all the time in your car. Uh, excessively uh, that's not a good thing I'm not pointing at you John because of any particular reason that's, that's prophecy uh, you speed all the time in your car it's not a good thing for you to do it would be a wise thing you know or uh, I've noticed you keep taking out personal loans you know and you're putting yourself into massive debt you know I think you shouldn't be doing that you know it'd be wise if you manage your money in X Y and Z way that's just called being wise and I think we would all accept that. Sometimes you get an incisive word of wisdom where you're in a meeting and you can't see the wood through the trees. You're a deadlock. You don't know what to do. I have to say, this is not just about church. This could be in your business world. This could be in your work world. It could be in your family and you don't know what to do and you pray about it and God just drops in a solution out of nowhere. And it might not seem to be the obvious solution. That's being given a word of wisdom. I think we'd be comfortable with that. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. What's that? That could be supernatural knowledge of a situation. We'll talk about that in a minute. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different tongues. Spoke about that a few weeks ago. And still to another, uh, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes into each one just as he determines. So, what's that all about there? Well, I remember, I actually wanted Karen to share this story. Because I think it would be better if you heard it from her. But... Uh, Karen, as I've said to you before, Karen actually does it and I just talk about it a lot, so uh, she's asked if I do it. But we went through a time when, you remember, remember that I said the church was growing? And um, I think you could probably put this better than me, but Karen was walking around the house and saying to God, in a prayer sort of attitude, our lives are amazing, thank you God. 
you know, the church is really growing. The kids are really happy in school. Uh, we're really settled. We've got loads of friends. Uh, everything's really good. You know, I couldn't imagine it being any better than this. Just thank you, God, for all this that we have. You know, we've been a little house in Billericay, brilliant schools, lovely town. Church was great. Everything's brilliant. Then in the middle of that prayer, Holy Spirit interrupts Karen, and you said it was not an audible voice, but it was so clear, wasn't it? And what did he say again? I can't remember. And now I want you to move. Yeah. Suppose all that, and then this little voice inside says, and now I want you to move. It's a bit gutting, isn't it? At the end of a prayer like that. But it's like incisive, interrupted thought. And then to cut a long story short, someone came to see us only a very short while later who had just become a Christian. And we were racking our brains about this, who it was. We can't quite remember who it was, but remember that someone came to see us who had just become a Christian and said, I've got, he said, I couldn't sleep last night and I got given this verse in Joshua chapter 1. It said, it was all about everywhere you set your foot, I'll give you. He said, I think, you know, there's some movement happening. I think, you know, you're going to be moving on. And he was a new Christian. And we're like, oh no, you know, what's that about? I don't want to do that. And then this bloke came and offered me a job and it was like, it was a pay cut, it was a tiny ministry, you meant having to move across the country and, I'd, and I'm like, nah, that's not, that's not what it is because I'm thinking I want you to move to Barbados or something like that. But it wasn't like that. And I thought, nah, that can't be it. And literally, like, like all over the place, uh, people started phoning me up or dropping me emails and saying, I think God's speaking to you about moving on. And then when that guy came back to me and said, we really want you to move, we just knew that the Holy Spirit was calling us to move on. If I hadn't have listened then, and we could have stayed, because you can choose to ignore it, if we hadn't listened then, I wouldn't be standing here now, which to some of you that would be a blessing. But I wouldn't be here now, I wouldn't be in Chesterfield, and I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing now with Elim, planting churches around the country and I wouldn't have done the 10 years with CVM I would say that out of the two of us I'm probably the more adventurous one uh, Karen's I would describe as stable I'm more volatile when it comes to taking a risk like I, I, to me taking a risk is I live for it I love taking a risk Karen's the steadying influence so if someone had come to me and said, I feel the Lord's calling you on, I'd just go, hey, brilliant. So it's probably Karen that needed that word at that time. And I'll go as far as I haven't checked it to you, but if that had not happened, then it might have made the process a lot more difficult, wouldn't it? It was that sudden interrupted thought. Sometimes people get a word of knowledge. When I was planting the church in 1996, we decided to go onto this council estate and I left my job, we had no money or anything. So me taking a risk, dragging Carol along into it again, no money, all kinds of stuff. And I went to visit another church in Chelmsford and they were doing this crazy prophecy stuff, which at the time I was really uncomfortable with because I came to Christ in the Brethren Church. So I didn't think that God could speak through any of these means at all. I just didn't. Uh, so I found it a bit offensive. You know, people stand in the front and speak into people's lives and stuff like that. I just didn't like it. I was very uncomfortable with it at the time. So I had to go back to the Bible and all that kind of stuff. But we were sitting in this meeting and it was very charismatic. And the, and the two young pastors at the front pointed at me and Karen and went, um, what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you, and that really wound me up for a start. So how do you know? 
You don't know that. You know, what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you is, what you're doing is right. Which was actually astonishing. Because I was just going through a period of talking with Karen, like, have we just committed financial suicide? Is what we're doing right? Should we still be doing this? Do we really want to plant this church? We'd literally gone to the meeting with that in our heads, actually wrestling with whether we're still in to plant the church. And this person just pointed right out and said, what you're doing is right. Which is absolutely amazing. If we'd not done that, then I'll contend, if we hadn't heard that, then it's very, very possible that we wouldn't have carried on uh, planting the church. So sometimes you can get a direct word that's just incisive. Sometimes, I've found for me, when I'm praying for people, or just praying about stuff, a person will just crop into my mind. Have you ever had this? This is it on a minor level, really. Like, you could just be walking around praying, or just thinking about... I change, sometimes, I'm just cleaning my teeth. Or walking the dog. Or just doing nothing spiritual in particular. And suddenly, someone's name will come into my head. What do you do about that when you get that? Did you pray for them? Or do you get in touch with them? <coughs> See, taking it to the next level would be you drop them a text and say, I was just thinking about you. Your name just popped into my head. How's things going? I'll be honest with you, nine times out of ten when it happens like that and I've just been cleaning my teeth and I think of someone and I drop them a text they're often in a really bad way or they just really needed some encouragement or they had something to say to me now you could say is this just mumbo jumbo well no because it's in the bible it happens words of knowledge wisdom prophecy so you've got this agapus stuff here at the end of Acts 11 predicting there'd be a famine. Well, you will know that in Acts 21, those of you who know your Bibles, Agabus did something even more extraordinary. They're all standing around having a chat, and Agabus goes up to Paul, gets a belt, and ties his hands up. And says, if you go to Rome, you're going to get imprisoned. Now you think, why, he was a known prophet, why didn't he just go up to him and say, if you go there, you're going to get nicked. Which could have been just as persuasive. But instead he took a belt and he tied his hands up, almost like a prophetic symbol. Think, don't you think that's a bit weird? Why did he do that? Now, that's never happened to me, but I have got friends who have been on the receiving end of that. And I think, well, maybe God just knows they're a different kind of thinker. I don't know. I don't know why it happens, but I know that it does. And I know that when people operate in that way, it has significance and meaning for the person on the receiving end of it. My bigger fear is that we never talk about this as a church and we ignore the supernatural world that's around us all the time. Because for me, it'd be the equivalent of saying, you've got really bad eyesight, but you're not going to get reading glasses. Or you struggle with your hearing, but I'm not going to put a hearing aid in. That would be mad, wouldn't it? You can't see, so you don't wear glasses. That would just be stupid. But what, God, what if God is saying, 
I'm going to help you see spiritually more clearly. I'm going to give you gifts and abilities so that you can reach into people's lives and point people towards my son Jesus. And sometimes they're going to be a bit strange. Some of you will dream. Some of you will have a word of wisdom. Sometimes you'll have a word of knowledge. But you sit there and you say, no, I'm not going to do that because it doesn't fit into my intellectual framework. I'd rather trust what I can touch and what I can read. I don't want to trust this vague spiritual stuff. And so we get caught in this weird paradox where we believe that God has the power to raise Jesus from the dead and bear the sins of the world on his son. But we don't believe that he can speak to us through a dream. Which would be a weird mix for me. So I think when we come to passages like this, the best thing we can do is read it and say, well, God, if you want to speak to us in this way, and when we look at Corinthians, if these gifts are available for us today, please would you grant them? How did they know that Barnabas was full of spirit and the Holy Spirit and faith? Maybe because he operated in those gifts. All I do know is that when I've placed myself on the edge to see God's kingdom come, so we have seen quite phenomenal examples of God speaking to us today. But there are people sitting here today that I've at times thought of and prayed and been in touch and there's been stuff kicking around their lives. And if I hadn't dropped them a text, then maybe I wouldn't have known to have prayed in a certain way. There are people who have come to Christ because I've dropped them a text or phoned them or I've made an effort to go and see them because God has prompted me. I'm not a serial dreamer. Most of my dreams are totally bizarre. But on one or two occasions that God's spoken to me in a dream, it's changed everything. I'm not a serial words of knowledge guy at all. But sometimes I'm talking to someone and I know that they're carrying something. I've got, sometimes it's right to share that and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's extraordinary. I'll give you a final example before we finish. There's one lady once in the church um, where she was very, very ill, very seriously ill with various physical conditions. And as she was talking to me, I, I'll just I've got to say it as it is, I was consumed with a feeling of bitterness. And in my head, it was as if I was drinking tonic water. You know that bitter aftertaste? That quinine taste? I couldn't taste it, but that's what I was imagining. This bitter taste in my mouth. Now, I didn't want to say to her, are you a bitter person? Because that would have gone down really badly. So what I said to her was, because she's really ill, possible cancerous stuff. And what I said to her was, is there anything in your life that's eating you up inside? Emotionally. And it all poured out on the steps of the community centre where we were meeting. Stuff about her aunts, uh, facing abuse as a kid. I mean, it just all came out. 
And I said to her, how do you feel about your, the people who brought you up now? They were her aunts. And she said, if I saw them in the street, I want to kill them. That, I mean, all poured out. I said, have you ever seen anything like that to anyone before? And she went, no. So I met with her for about a month, just praying stuff through. At the end of about three and a half weeks, I said to her, do you feel able to forgive your aunts? I'd asked her that question two weeks previously and she nearly threw me out of the house. Then she said, I think I am. Very emotional, held hands. She prayed forgiveness for her aunts. Lots of tears, lots of mess. And within two weeks, all her symptoms of illness had left her body. All the symptoms. I mean, she's still a crazy character. Trying to set up an orphanage in Africa after that and all sorts of stuff that are totally crazy out of their character. But my goodness me. What if I'd heard that and thought, that's just my head. I'm not a psychic. We don't do psychic stuff. Well, correct, we don't. Bible tells us not, but the Bible tells us very clearly that God speaks to us through other means. What we do know is he doesn't contravene the Bible. So if the Holy Spirit says to you, oh, you know, you go and have an affair and you'll be so much happier for it, I would contend that's not Jesus Christ speaking to you. <coughs> doesn't contradict the word of God, but we've got to be prepared to speak out when we hear it. The thing that stops us would be fear that we're being nuts or fear that we're going to look stupid. I would say it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk to see God's kingdom come. I, I've been a charismatic Christian or Pentecostal Christian now for, I don't know, probably about 15 years my theology changed on it. It was a bit of a battle for me to get to that point. In all of that time, this doesn't happen to me every week. You know, Moses had one burning bush. But every now and again, I feel God speak to me. And when I do, I go with it. And so, as I was praying about this morning, I thought, wouldn't it be good, Lord, if you were to grant people, begin to grant people some of these gifts over the next month or two? And I just felt, so I'm practicing what I'm preaching, just a gentle whisper into my heart, of God saying to me, some of you will start dreaming. You know, you'll hear from God. I believe that. Not everyone, but some people will. Some of you will be praying for people or situations and you'll have a razor sharp clarity about it. And you'll know to pray for somebody in a specific way and you should text them and let them know. Some of you will be in a work meeting and you just don't know what to do. And you'll pray and you'll get clarity. And that'll be God. The way to start gently, I would say, is to begin to open your hearts. I know this is new territory for a lot of us coming from a different sort of tradition of church. But it'd be to open our hearts and say, God, please would you start to speak to me and use me to introduce other people to Jesus or to bring your love into people's lives. And as you do that and as you pray, as you think of someone, why not drop them a text? 
and so I was praying or I was cleaning my teeth and your name popped into my head and that might be God how are you doing? last time I did that it was more actually recently there was a guy I used to work with called Jerry I was walking my dog in the woods and I've not spoken to Jerry for 10 years I don't even think about him never think about this guy just popped him a text Jerry I was walking through the woods and uh, your name popped into my head how you doing text back to me and said I'm having a breakdown need your prayers that's amazing tells me God's with me not for him for 10 years what have we got to lose changes the dynamic of the way we live our faith we start to open our minds to the fact that God is with us right now it's what unlocks a community actually because we start to move and do church in a different way it's not just a mechanism or project you know, we're living with the spirit guiding us now I'm aware that some of you will not be comfortable with some of the things I've said and that's okay I'm happy to dialogue on it as much as you need to because I'd, these are things I'm very interested to be talking with people about because this is what changes things now it's what lifts our prayers, it's why we start to worship with more passion. How exciting is it when we just start to see God move and changing people's lives on the back of that kind of stuff? And for me it's all about transformation. I'll never forget the first time, one of the first times it ever happened for me, walking down the steps, actually it's in Lanzarote where I've just been. This was over 10 years, I've been praying and praying and praying that I'd have spiritual sight, that I'd know when people are going to become Christians. And I'll never forget walking down these steps to the swimming pool. And there was a guy sunbathing who was an out-and-out -out total non-Christian. And as I walked down the steps, you know that feeling when you know the seasons have changed? Do you know that feeling? It's like being winter and suddenly it's spring. Do you ever know like, the first time you get out walking it feels like that? As I'm walking down the steps, it's in Lanzarote, so it's quite hot. But I walked down and I thought, it feels like, it feels like spring, something like new life. So, and I saw this guy, who was a little bit hostile, I thought I'm going to go over and talk to him. I just sat down next to him and said, how you doing fella? And he said, well, you won't believe this, he said, but I've been thinking about all the stuff you've been saying this week. And I'm not sleeping, it's not leaving my mind. And I said, well, what, what are you thinking? He said, I think I want to follow Jesus. I went, oh. It's like it was so hostile all week. And I said, when do you want to do that? That's a stupid question. When do you want to do that? Uh, now. Do you know what the gospel means? Yeah, I've read it. I've, I've looked it. I want to follow Jesus. And we actually prayed on these two sunbeds. Sitting by the swimming pool. Gave his life to Christ. Started forming a little puddle on the patio. Cheers. I would have walked past him if I hadn't listened. Because he was so hostile to me. And God just gave me a sense of new life. Isn't that amazing? That's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. That's what it's all about.